From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in, I promise, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk games and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy. I, too, make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are secrets and Easter eggs and player trust. And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. You're on the air with Nice Games Club. Did you hit the sign? Yeah, I had to sign up. You guys, we got, we got a sign. sign. We got a sign. <laughs> we got, Mark got a sign for, it, the, for the office. I spent the 15 of the show's dollars yeah. on a little on-air sign to yeah. stick outside the clubhouse uh, for fun and for profe- professional reasons. Right, right. Right. Because uh, how else would you know? Yeah. Right. This is important. Makes oh. it official. It really does, though. I don't know. It, it adds a little bit of you know class to our- It's classy. I mean, if we recorded in the middle of the day and there were like more people coming in and out of the office, yeah. like at the time that we record, but there's usually no one else here in the evenings right. we do, so- Well, Dale knows right now. <laughs> Dale knows not to barge in. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, would that stop her? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in other news, um, listeners will have heard our conversation with Zach Barth a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, gave us some codes for the Zachtronics uh, Solitaire Collection yeah. uh, as, as a thank you for, um, for bringing them on the show. And I put a lot of time into it. <laughs> how, how much time, Mark? Well, I could pull up uh, the Steam. It's actually open that. right now. Yeah, it's, yeah. On, it's on TV. I'm, I'm actually going to check. And this is going to be a very um, lovely live on air embarrassment keep in mind that uh we've had it for two weeks two weeks yeah two weeks exactly two weeks exactly yeah this is a beautiful game uh 99.4 hours <laughs> i've been playing these solitaire games uh that is a huge endorsement it's yeah. a very very good collection of solitaire games um so we'll put a link in the show notes for that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> People to pick up. Because it's definitely taken up. I mean, you know how sometimes you will just find that, I mean, with a lot of video games, you'll find that like, wow, I can't believe I had that much time. Mm-hmm. And you still get your like work done or whatever that week. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that's definitely the case with this. I've spent so much of my waking time just playing these solitaire games. I mean, it's cool. It looks, it's, it's a cool looking game too. And yeah, if you're in the solitaire games. It's a it's a really interesting project because it's all the I mean we talked about this uh, uh, with him in that episode but mm-hmm. it's um, a bunch of solitaire games all of them except for one come from all the other Zachtronics games yeah and so it's a collection of all the ones they've made over the many years and as a package together it's really interesting because mm-hmm. you can sort of see like they have um, there's some little notes on each one of them like how how they were created and the sort of context that they appear in. The games they come from, yeah. But um, as a collection, it's really interesting because they were never meant to be a collection, hmm. right? Yeah. Cool. Um, in other news, uh, I think we mentioned this in the show mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago that like we weren't, we hadn't finished our GDC plans. Yeah, I still haven't. I finally uh, got a hotel. Nice, so cool. I'm definitely going. Um, Stephen, you've decided definitely to not go. Yes, uh, due to a, a variety of different reasons. Um, that I don't want to disclose on the show just because <laughs> they're not good things, but they're not like I'm not in dire need of help. I just, you know, uh, all, a bunch of things have stacked up to to conspired against me from going to GDC this year, I think. Yeah. Um. So it's just be difficult for me. Um. But Ellen, you are planning on I'm going? on the fence. We'll see. You're still yeah. on the fence? Yeah, I'm just on the fence this year about things. It's like three weeks away. Yeah. I know. Okay. I know. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yep. well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got a really cheap hotel. Yeah, cool. um, uh, not that far from Moscone. I nice. seem to manage it every time. Uh, find a place that's not 
that pricey and still within walking distance. Mm -hmm. And I usually always, I very, I think every year I delay actually doing it mm. and it's, it hasn't failed me yet, which is a little <laughs> dangerous. Um, but I didn't buy a plane ticket cause I'm going to drive out there. Um, Dale and I just got a new electric car and I thought it'd be fun to do a road trip with it. And we, it came with like a free year of charging on a particular charging network. Okay. So it actually makes it free to drive out there. Okay. Uh, which makes it that much more appealing. Cool. Um, so the costs associated are just whatever, you know, motel or two, two or three that I take on the way down there. Yeah. So it's, and I've got the time to do it. So okay. um, if it ends up being just me going, but Dale might come with me, I'm not sure. And Ellen, if you end up coming out, you'll fly. It's, yeah, it's I'll fly if I end up going. You can't take all those extra days. No, I cannot take all the extra days. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be an insane year for travel for me. So uh, that's why I'm kind of like, I'm still, still on the yeah. fence. Like there's multiple conferences that I want to go to for game-based learning stuff and cousins getting married and mm -hmm. yeah. Actually, the real reason I wanted to talk about it on the show right now, um, I mean, it's not a great reason. It's just a thing I want to say <laughs> is that um, one of the things about driving out there is yeah. that then I can go anywhere I want uh, mm -hmm. afterward. And right. I, so what I'm going to do is after GDC, I'm going to drive down to Los Angeles and I'm going to go to Super Mario theme park. Yay! <gasps> <Yeah>! <laughs> Uh oh, he's changing his mind. <laughs> Happening in real time, folks. But, I uh, forgot about that. They just opened it, <sighs> and I figure I I'm not going to take a week to go to Universal Studios Hollywood. Like, yeah, I, I'm just just not the kind of person I am. Yeah. Um, but if I can drive out there and spend a day there, yeah. just to see the Mario stuff, yeah, like I'll, let's that's a That'd good opportunity to do it. Plus. Um, I used to go to Los Angeles every year for the Adobe Max conference, mm -hmm. and uh, that has been uh, hasn't been in person for the past couple of years. Right. But also, I'm not in that industry anymore. Right. Yeah. So there's less of an incentive for me to go. And that, I mean, GDC is expensive. Adobe Max is expensive. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, every time I go to Los Angeles, I always go to my favorite museum in the whole wide world. I probably talked about it on the show before. Uh, the Los Angeles County Museum of Modern Art, LACMA. Mm -hmm. And so I figure if I'm going to go see Super Mario theme park. I'm also going to hit LACMA on my yeah, way out of town. Nice. Um, so I'm kind of, ex that's going to be my two day vacation after GDC. Yeah. So cool. that makes it, I mean, honestly, a lot of it's just justifying a road trip in my new electric car. Um, but it feels justified. It, it won't be that expensive for me. I'm feeling kind of excited about it. Yeah. 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 It's... I don't do vacations like as a, um, as an active thing. Like I don't, I don't leap at the chance to, to do recreational t time. Like just work yeah. all the time. It's well, it's not so much that it's like, I don't, I I love places, but I hate travel. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, and so yep. uh, if I, as long as I'm, this is I, it's a stack of excuses to engineer this week and a half for me. Yeah. And I think I think I, I think it'll help. It'll be nice. Yeah, no, it'll no. be. Have you guys planned? Have you have you checked out charging stations ahead of time? Yes. Good. <laughs> no, did the whole thing, and so yeah, it's actually going to be pretty efficient for time too. Okay. Um, I'll leave Friday morning. And if I wasn't going to Los Angeles, I'd be back by Monday night. Sure. Um, but yeah, I did this a, a website called A Better Route Planner. Okay. Um, I, you might have seen it because you, you've had an electric car for a while. Yeah, but we haven't had the range where, uh, for the electric car that we have. Oh, it's, um, a, it's a city car, right? It's not really it's, a really Yeah, the one, my, my, my family, uh, my mother has a, has a Chevy Bolt and that has more of like a road trippable range. Yeah. She was actually planning on driving down to um, New Mexico. And she decided not to do the EV because it just, you know, you get to the coast, you get to the West Coast and there's stuff all over the place you can charge. But the middle of the country, yeah, there's not a lot. There's not a lot. And there's, you know, you can 
sometimes you look on the apps and it'll tell you that there's a charging station there. But if you actually go in and look at the reviews, it's, it'll say, well, this one's been offline for three weeks or yeah. something like that. So you have to be really careful if you're driving to the middle of the country. And she likes to go off the beaten path. Right. So right. You have, to be, a, you have to be a planner in order to make it work. Yeah. And the thing about this, this, this particular uh, website, you're, you're meant to use it as you drive. Yeah. So you can you can modify as you go, so you can make changes. Um, and things have definitely changed in the past year or two. Um, a lot of these networks have been built out basically to compete with with Tesla's network. Yeah. Um, so that's been a motivator. It's just not scary to do it anymore. Is the consensus? Yeah. yeah. We'll see when I get back what I think of that. There might be a, like oh there was a whole bunch of places out. But one of the things that they recommend and the way they plan it for you in these things is you you only charge for like twenty minutes or something. And on my car, that'll actually get a, a lot of a lot of the charge. But the idea is fill up a little bit, and you stop every other every hour and a half or so, which is a little bit more than you would in a gas car. But then, then you never stop. It's always like go as far as you can until you're too tired and anymore. You fall over, yeah. But if you plan like a ten minute stop every hour or so, because um, you for electric car it just takes a while to charge the thing. Essentially, that makes it just a much more pleasant experience yeah, for sure um when it's set up that way and so all, it, it ends up being a very different experience so i'm looking forward to learning about that yeah um yeah and seeing seeing at what point yeah so you, you never want to go below like a, a 25 percent of charge because if the thing you're at is out of order you still need to be able to get to the next one yeah. anyway i'm not sure how interesting this is for audience but like i'm buried in it right now yeah. uh, planning my trip it's gonna be cool yeah and well, You'll get to have a bunch, take a picture, a bunch of pictures, and shove them in my face, make me feel jealous. So <laughs> you can like that. Well, if you want to go halvesies on this hotel, <laughs> you can come to Soup Mario theme park with me. Oh my gosh, I'm so upset. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll be cool. Yeah. I'll go one day. Yeah. If there was a Kirby roll, then like I would spend literally all of my. That's called yeah. your desk, Stephen. <laughs> I mean, other Ellen news, you finished a game and started a new one. I did. Uh, I finished a game. Uh, yeah, I uh, started Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice mm-hmm. earlier this year. Yeah. Um, and I finished it. That was pretty powerful. Yeah. Powerful yeah. experience. Uh, yeah, I, I've been sitting on it for a while. I got it like a couple of years ago. It's been sitting in my library for a while. I just haven't felt, I felt a little cautious about playing it mm-hmm. and starting it because I've had mental health. Um, challenges in the past and you know chronic depression probably will have to deal with that on and off for the rest of my life uh and the you know the main character doesn't deal with depression per se but some of the struggles were similar yeah you know there were some recognizable patterns and things like that and so i didn't want to have to i wasn't sure whether it would be like a cathartic experience like a helpful experience or whether it would just be like you know just another trigger (laughs) i'll have to dig this up but there was when that game first came out there was it was um uh, there was a lot of um uh, mental health consultancy that they did they did uh, um and and there's a bunch of like um uh, documentary content about that process that's right mm-hmm. um and, uh, and part of it was like it's sort of a, it's a bit of a pr angle like that a game is taking this you know doing something like this more but in terms of this content but it is worth taking a look at to see like how I mean you played it so you can judge you you know whether they were successful but it seems like they really cared about doing it right and and, and about falling out a lot of the sort of lazy stereotypes about mental health issues that media tends to even if they don't realize they're doing it it's so easy to fall into the trap yeah yeah those like harmful um, uh, depictions yeah I think I think I mean so. Um... Spoiler, I guess, but like it's right up. It's usually right up there in the descriptions of the game. Um, so the main character Senwa, she she has psychosis. She suffers from psychosis, um, which is not something I've ever experienced, and it's 
seems terrifying um, because that's that's like hallucinatory video, you know, like um, audio and visual hallucinations sometimes and sometimes like seeing patterns and interpreting those patterns in the world, interpreting them in ways that make meaning that maybe isn't logical right. from the perspective of other folks. But like that's what the game kind of explored like to really to to progress in the game you had to take the what you saw and heard and the patterns that the character saw and heard as that that's the reality of the game and that was her reality right so like the question of you know did those symbols actually exist did this creature that you had to fight actually exist it's like it's like an irrelevant question Mm, yeah right um point is putting you in her in her shoes that right yeah, that's the reality that she deals with, mm-hmm. and so I thought that was I thought that was a really powerful thing, and something that I think would be really difficult to. I mean, I, it's something that really felt like a, something only a game could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, because like you know that kind of well, I think uh, plenty of movies and stuff have fallen into the pitfalls that Mark was talking about before. But um, I think that you, as the player, experiencing the things that this person is going through, makes makes it. Uh, establishes that like you know how 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 imp- uh, i guess like that perspective right that yeah. how it how it feels um and it, so it, like you said it doesn't matter whether yeah. or not it is real or not because like that is what this person is experiencing yeah. so like you as a player have to take that seriously mm-hmm. in a way that is that's is, that, that's cool the same way that the main character would yeah exactly right um whereas like in a movie you know you see somebody and they're like and you do the thing and i mean I don't know. You, it, it's harder to take it as seriously, even if you're, you know, being sympathetic to their, to what they're going through, just because like it's not. It's it, it's like if yeah. somebody else is describing, um, their day and why they're sad or something. It's hard to to really take that in out, from an outsider's perspective. In, yeah. In the same way. Yeah. 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 I, I think they did have some. There's some documentary, like documentary style content in the game mm-hmm. that they recommend you wait till after you're done playing the game to watch. And I did. Sure. Wait. Oh, in the game itself. Yeah, it's oh. just right there on the menu. Um, and they talked about the process, and they, you know, featured some of the people who consulted on the game, academics, um, like medical professionals, mental health professionals, and people who like with lived experience with the conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked a lot about the process and what they tried to do, and kind of their philosophy behind what they were trying to do. And I read through some of the criticism, you know, from the game after it was released, and some people were saying that. They didn't think that the game did a good job of dealing with the subject matter of psychosis because they didn't give the player the comparison between the um like the character Senwa's reality and what was actually reality. Mm. But I don't think that was the point. Right. Right. It's an it's a it's it's about empathy necessarily. You're yeah. you're not really you're not diagnosing her particular Yeah. Uh, right. You I mean you don't have the the game isn't asking you to make a comparison yeah. between those two things. No. And it also doesn't seem to be explicitly telling you that her experiences are real, even though they're p- putting you in her shoes. Right. And the whole, yeah, it, it just, I'm not saying that like that kind of game, a game that did that wouldn't be a valuable experience and a good experience and right. an informative experience, like to a player who's going through it and playing it, who's never experienced psychosis before. I don't, it just wasn't that game. One of the things that, particularly when it comes to uh, depictions of uh, hallucinations or or psychosis in media is to sort of describe it a little bit like a superpower. Yeah. And I think that uh, that 
I remember hearing a little bit of that criticism mm -hmm. because especially as a game, like it, you, you leverage those things to progress. Right. I can't speak to the details, but uh, I could, I, I could see that being a little bit of a, of a fair criticism to like, you just have to be careful with how you present those things. Yeah. And I suppose you also have to put some burden on the player to engage with it. You know what I mean? Like you kind of can't help. I don't know. I'm kind of two minds about it. Like yeah. you don't want to you don't want to provide the opportunity to misunderstand, but you also don't as an artist, you, it's not your job to clear up all doubt. Yeah, it's no. it's tough because it's like it's is the job of the game to educate or is the you know what I mean? It, it's all, the game has a lot of jobs. Yeah, I yeah. think I that was I think that that was some of the criticism that I read too is that they treated like the the psychosis and her, you know, her her experiences as a superpower. But I don't actually, I think the only reason that it came across that way is because that's what we're used to feeling from games. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Right, like it wasn't a superpower. It wasn't a superpower because the obstacles that, I don't think it was a superpower because the obstacles she was using her power to overcome were of the same nature. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't that she was using her powers to manipulate the world. She was operating within the rules of her world, her reality, which is shaped by her her condition. Right. 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 Perhaps maybe some of the criticism is a, you're saying like comparing it to the, what the reality is, is a, maybe it's a subtle explanation to the player that this isn't real. And maybe some people didn't get that or they didn't feel, they didn't feel that communicated to them. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I don't, I don't know. I can see where they're coming from too. I just yeah. don't, I think that, um, I, I just, I think it was much more about empathizing with the, character's struggles and what yeah. she has to deal with day after day and right. sometimes the like sometimes the things that she was experiencing weren't terrifying right sometimes they were really beautiful and sometimes like the voices she was hearing talking to her weren't angry and awful sometimes they were helping her mm. you know it, it's just it was a complex experience this character was going through yeah and rather than just like dissecting it you just kind of accepted it yeah and then just went with it went through it with her. I think that was that was more I feel like that's what the game was asking the player to do. Mm -hmm. Um did it did not send me spiraling into a deep depression. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like those critiques were maybe a shallow reading then. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I I I think it's I think regardless it's good that people talk about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um it's that's just true. I I didn't I didn't take away that reading from the game. Right, right. When I played it. I guess it makes a lot of sense that they included all that content. I mean, because they were aware of the sort of charged nature of yeah. what they were doing. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad we got to hear from some of the people um with lived experience who consulted on the game. Mm -hmm. yeah. That was they were in they were there in the you know, the feature little featurette that they had and they talked about both the role that they had in playing like in designing the game and also like when they saw the fit finished product, how it made them feel and whether they were actually going to go play it, <laughs> which was cool. Yeah, that was, yeah. it was really good. Um, that was cool. To, and just to hear from the team who was working on it and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, it was just really freaking sweet. You know, you go to any like subreddit where people are asking whether, like, which, where are some games where you can play some badass female characters? This one always comes up. Totally, totally true. Nice. nice. She's super cool. And then I started on Stray. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> where you're a cat with a backpack in the city. <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit about this off mic because um, I I played through that game. Dale uh, hasn't finished it yet, but you were saying that what? What? I Dale know, hasn't right? finished it yet? I yeah, know, right. right? <laughs> there, I guess there's enough cat content on the internet to keep her distracted. From yeah, okay, other that's cat content in that's her life. True. 
<laughs> it does. It is a bit of a mystery. On yeah. Face. Um, but Ellen, you were saying that you expected that you engaged with it differently than I have. I've talked about it on the show before, so you kind of know my thoughts. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure like when we first talked about it, you talked about it as like, yeah, you're a cat in the city. And that's about it. And I'm like, you're a cat in the passionate. city. <laughs> I guess I didn't have that much of enthusiasm for it. Fair. Well, like you weren't like, oh, you're just a cat in the city. It was that like, would be my impression. Uh, right. <laughs> just a cat. You're just a cat with a backpack in the city. No, I think you basically said like, yeah, it's it met your expectations. You're yeah. a cat in the city. Yay. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was like, okay, well, I expect this to be just like you're a cat in the city. And then it was, you're a cat in the city. <laughs> and there's so much junk. You you did not mention that, Mark. There's a lot of junk. Actually. That's true. I, th- I feel that's that was a failure on my part. But <laughs> well, I suppose it was a delightful surprise for you. You you were giving your honest review of your experience of the game. Right. You weren't saying, Alan, you will really like this game because there's so much junk you can knock around. <laughs> right? And you're a cat. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, yes, I have. It, it is pretty straightforward and not very challenging, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. So I definitely did find myself like there are opportunities to role play in that game. Yes. <laughs> in a way that like even for someone like me who that's not I'm not inclined to. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty satisfying just to ex- just have a little experiences in the game. Mm-hmm. Steven, you, you haven't played it. Oh, I just watched some people play. it. Yeah, that's you should give it. I would be very curious to know how you take to it. Oh, man, I think Charles has the game. I can play it on his PS5. You can come over and... I'm not done with it yet. Come over and play with me. I'm not excited to play the game. I don't know if I made that clear. <laughs> yeah, but the dogs can crawl science. on you. For science. You for can, the show. You can come over with me and play the cat game while the dogs bother you. Yay. <laughs> oh, okay. We're moving on to a new topic. Uh, <laughs> I'll, maybe I'll check it out. I don't know. Ellen, um, <laughs> you brought a topic to the table. Yes. Yeah, I did. Um, okay, so I wanted to talk about secrets and Easter eggs, um, which may are, I think they're kind of used synonymously, but oh. we can talk about that. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to just first, just before we do the thing and talk about what we think about secrets and Easter eggs and what our favorite ones are and what are some guidelines for doing it well, mm-hmm. I want to talk about what, what these are not, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Let's put a box around this. <laughs> yes, we always start with drawing the box. Yeah. Um, okay, so what I mean by secrets and Easter eggs are not the same thing as cheats. Sure. Right? Like secrets and Easter eggs are secrets and Easter eggs. They're not things that like deliberately change the way that you play the game. Like right. you're not doing show me the money and getting 10,000, you know, credits or, or whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah. You're not doing the power overwhelming. I remember so many of the StarCraft cheat codes. Ah. Because I, I, that's the only way I beat that game. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so they're also not the same thing as glitches or artifacts, right? Like yeah. these are put into the game deliberately. So, yeah. As I was kind of researching this, like I'm, I'm not a hundred. I'm, I'm not deep into the lore of Mario sixty four speedrunning and hundred percenting and everything. And I know it's huge because it's just, it's been around forever, and people are still, you. yeah. So <laughs> I will say it's impossible to dip your toe into that without falling in. Yeah, yeah it's. Like, yeah, I, I had to quickly back out of the yeah. room because, yeah. Um, there's a an impossible coin that someone got like eighteen. Yeah. Anyway, th- that is not an Easter egg because no. they. So, I don't think they intended to leave it there. Right. No. Right. Um, we're talking about like hard to find objects or secret moves in codes that you have to like guess, but you know that they're there, um, or at least you know to look for them. Maybe little doodads that are here, like in the dialogue or the name of a character or the name of a building or something like that. That's an homage to a different game or media or something like that. So, you know, they're not required to progress, 
right? Mm-hmm. So we can we can get to the question of secrets and Easter eggs in a Metroidvania, but like just to illustrate this one idea, an extra power up in Metroid Dread is not you know that's not the same as like a critical path suit upgrade. This critical yeah. path suit upgrade might require you to like do a weird path around different things and. It might feel the same way as you're getting, you know, pathing to a different like suit upgrade or like a different extra power up. But the suit upgrade is not an Easter egg. You've got to get that suit upgrade to progress in the game. Yeah. yeah. Not an Easter egg. Right. Or a secret. Those things are optional. So that's where I wanted to draw the lines of our sandbox. I'm not sure how many edges it has because I can't count the bullet points. Yeah. Six, six edges. Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, hexes are nice. <laughs> it's a good gamey shape. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, so that being said, what are some of your favorite and least favorite game secrets? Oh, putting us on the spot. Yes. Uh, I knew that question was coming, so I thought about it for a little while. I wrote um, it in the document. Okay, yes. good. I'm going to start thinking about it right now. Okay, cool. Okay, Stephen, cool. you go first. Um, okay, so uh, one that came to mind immediately was uh, in Super Mario Odyssey, uh, when you get, well, really all of this whole world, the whole world when you're in Mushroom Kingdom or whatever, that whole thing. The whole thing is a, a giant Easter egg. Yeah. It's a reference to the, um, Super Mario 64. And I didn't at, enjoy it. At, I think that's outside of the box, Ellen. Just is it? No. Wait, did you say it? Okay, explain more. Is it? Uh, the So that whole level represents, or not represents, um, is reminiscent of Super Mario 64. And like, you know, you get power stars instead of power moons or whatever. Because mm, um, right. power stars, I guess. But it's like, narrative. it's almost like 10% of the game takes place there. That's true. <laughs> there are, there's lots of, there's but, lots of content there if you want to get all the moons or even, I yes. know, I, I don't know if it's critical path, but you do, everyone comes across it. No, yeah, it's an end thing. You get it, at, I think you go to it at the, after you beat the game. Oh, after you get um, the minimum amount. Of- but like, mm-hmm. yeah, everybody's going to go to it probably if you've gotten that far. Uh-huh. Um, But uh, specifically, the one power star, I guess you get at that one, um, is uh, if you like go into the castle and you look up and you stand on the rug and you in the mm-hmm. center of it and you look up to the sun mm-hmm. and you get a power star from that. Um, that was satisfying because I, I went over there and I was like, oh, I wonder if you can get the thing. Because <laughs> like in, in Super Mario 64, if you look up in the sun, you uh, get access to the winged cap and then you can do winged cap stuff. I'm pretty sure that's Doesn't right. that just take you to the 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 um, magic carpet level? Uh Oh, no, that's on the that's on the. I don't remember. <laughs> Got to get back to that reading. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. Get it back. But yes, it is definitely a, a specific reference to Mario 64. And I will say yeah. that playing through Odyssey, I'd forgotten about that from Mario 64. Ah, uh, yeah. Or like it wasn't just, it didn't occur, like it didn't occur to me to like think about that. You know, I, was, I wasn't I was thinking about, oh, I should do all the things I do in Mario 64 here. Ah, Because it yeah. felt like a, a normal level that yeah. was just a reference to Mario 64. Mm, got it. So like I didn't understand, it took me forever to find that one. Well, so that's the <laughs> thing, right? Like, it's I, I liked it as a good reference, but I feel like if you've never played Super Mario 64, and there's tons of gamers who haven't played Super Mario 64, even, you know, because they're not old enough, because I'm old now, I guess. Or, uh, <laughs> hey, now, settle down, Steven. Or just they didn't play, they didn't have an N64 growing up, whatever, like, then they wouldn't understand that reference. Um, and I don't think there's anything that specifically is like, look up into the sun to find the star. Um, so like, I don't know how people would find it otherwise. Yeah. Because by that point you'd have already beaten the game. Yeah. You'd have enough to beat the game. You yeah. don't need that one. Right. But it's, it's a pretty natural thing to then want to go for the thousand moons yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And so. Or at least to make an attempt and then. So it, it does feel like it is actually part of the normal playthrough. Yeah. And so it's a little strange. Yeah. But I could see the argument the other way. I wouldn't agree with it. But mm, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, that's what I thought of. Yeah, is that, is that. we'll come back to that idea of like a, is a hundred percenting and an Easter egg thing. We'll come back to that. Oh, for sure. sure, yeah. Um, do you have any ones that you 
didn't like, Stephen, that come to mind? Oh. There's that one we just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like aspects of it, yeah. Um, uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head. That's I fine. think I think ones that like, well, I guess ones. Oh, actually, um, well, I don't know if it's an Easter egg or a secret. No, it's not. This isn't the same thing, but I'm going to say it anyway so you can say it's not the same thing. Okay. Um, a lot of times games will like name quests or like collectibles or something and they'll give you a little hint and the hint is like some stupid pun. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. Because <laughs> it's like I'm playing this game. I'm not playing a game that's a pun delivery machine. Please give me if you're going to make a joke, make a joke about your world. <laughs> Gotcha. So you mean that it's like a it's like a reference to some meme or yeah, yeah. or something. kind of fourth, some out of fourth world. Wall oh, actually, yeah. that specifically gets that, there. We go. Ooh, I got it. You got in there. I Mark. got one. I got it. Yep. All right. Okay. Go, Stephen. Go. Um, I was gonna use that one. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I I think in a lot of like uh, games, I'm talk, this is fighting game thing now. Um, a lot of fighting games, like there's a bunch of fighting games now with a bunch of, made of a bunch of different properties, and I find it frustrating when games put pull characters or moves um from like that character's like like a, a meme instead of like the actual history from that character mm. um so like the first thing that i come up i think of is like nickelodeon all-stars battle royale or whatever it's called i don't remember it's a long <laughs> title um I feel like they, they they picked a lot of characters that are just like memeable characters that are like funny because they're like if, if you've been on the internet you've seen them mm-hmm. in some video or something that was funny instead of like a, a character that people grew up with and enjoyed, um, and I find that frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not leaning naming any specifics I guess right now because I, I, mean, I the only person I can think of is Nigel Thornberry from the from the Wild Thornberries. Mm-hmm. He's not the main character. Like the main character is. I can't remember the name of the main character. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because she's not in the game. I, I think if I'm in the shoes of those developers, yes. and I'm a, I don't know, even when I was younger, I didn't watch a lot of Nickelodeon. Sure. Or rather, I did for a very short amount of time. Yeah. So yeah. like my era of Nickelodeon is very specific. Sure. It's like, it's the it's the Pete and Pete, Ren and Stimpy era, mm-hmm. right? And, and not after that, nothing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and so, uh, like I got off the train before, well, I guess before SpongeBob. So, sure, okay. Um, I think for a game like that, Unlike Mario, mm-hmm. every generation has its Mario. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's a sort of a consistent presence. And that, yeah, that's. Fine. I think a lot of these Nintendo, uh, these uh, Nickelodeon properties, are kind of come and go and have different audiences. Yeah. And so my guess is the sort of like SpongeBob memes that everyone is aware of. Mm-hmm. I've not seen more than thirty seconds of any SpongeBob material, but I've been exposed to lots of memes that yeah. I'm familiar with. Okay. If I'm in their shoes, I could see you making that decision to like yeah. lean into that stuff. I get that too. Because it makes them more a little bit more universal. It makes them more familiar. And it doesn't alienate folks who are like, there's only three of these characters I love and they're outnumbered by all the ones I've never heard of. Yeah. You know, you know, I can- No, yeah, I, I understand that. But I think from my perspective, it alienated me because I wanted to see characters that I was because I watched a lot of Nickelodeon when I was growing up. Um and I wanted to see characters, well some of the characters that I watched a lot of shows from and they didn't show up because like uh, they needed to put Nigel Thornberry in the game instead. So um, I found that. Well, I guess there's no winning then. <laughs> well, I mean, you're probably going to win with, I, I probably wasn't the target audience for that game anyways, to be frank. Yeah. Even though I like Nickelodeon games, I could tell that game was not for me when I watched <laughs> some gameplay footage. So, um, 
There's yeah. there's some things in there that I want to come back to also, but I want to hear from Mark what his favorite least favorite. Oh, I thought I was gonna. I, I spent all this time making fun of Steve for his. <laughs> yeah, your turn. The one I was thinking of is um, Mario Three. Okay, going behind the white blocks. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because what's interesting about it is that it there's kind of no rhyme or reason to it. Like there's like why like there's no it doesn't it doesn't reward you with a a, a I mean it rewards you with a, a, a power up yeah it and it's part of it's part of a you know a speed running path yeah but there's no purpose to it it's not naturally implied by any gameplay mm-hmm. famously if you've seen the movie the wizard where the narrative is that the kid is playing Mario three for the first time yeah and no one's seen it before right and he discovers that trick yeah that's the one thing all of us were like no 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 <laughs> I had to get told about that on the playground. Nobody <laughs> figures that out. Yeah. Right. That's the and that's what made me think of it for this example. Is yeah. it's so specific. Yeah. And it's it's completely metatextual. Yeah. And the, even in universe, it doesn't make any like not this doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no after the fact justification for it. Yeah. But the best thing about it actually is that you, you on the on the playground, you're like, you know that you can that first block in level one, you go behind and then blah blah blah. Yeah. You can do it on any white block in the game, mm-hmm. which I'm sure there's some people listening who are like, what? But <laughs> a lot of people know that by now, but I didn't know that mm-hmm. for the longest time yeah. because there's no other place in the game where that would give you an advantage. Right. <laughs> but you can do that for any white block in the game. And it's like, it's just a weird, it's just, it's just weird, I think. And I think that's the thing that makes an Easter egg interesting. Mm-hmm. And this is where I would separate it from a secret. Okay. Yeah. A secret I feel like is meant to be discovered. Ah, yes. it's, re- it's It's rewarding you for uh, exploring. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I don't have any particular justification for why I'm building this smaller box inside of your larger. That's okay. Uh, it's you know, a box. MMA cage. But yeah. Um, <laughs> MMA cage. <laughs> right. It's a hexagon. <laughs> but an, an Easter egg feels kind of like metatextual. Yeah. Like it doesn't really. Yeah. You know, and that one's interesting because it really div- divides the line, especially because it is used in speedrunning. Yes. Um, and so mm-hmm. it does actually have its place in play mm-hmm. and in strategy, but I doubt it was intended to. Yeah. I'm waxing on way too long about this. No, but I totally, I totally understand. That's yeah. how mm-hmm. I would distinguish them too, is the secret is just like a, a hidden thing that's in the game yeah. that can be kind of cool or whatever. But like an Easter egg, I think, needs to reference something. Or yeah, or it needs to be meta textual, like you said. Mm-hmm. Like it has to, it has to have importance outside of the game in some form. I think you're mishearing me. I oh. I think the thing about that mar- that behind the white block is it doesn't reference anything. Oh okay, yeah, all right. It's just it's, it's to the ground. He's taking him to the ground. <laughs> well, but it is. It's. I think it's interesting because I think the the idea of Easter egg is yeah. it means reference. Yeah, I think that's what a common use of it now. Right. But a lot of times, especially like in the world of DVD menus, like mm-hmm. Easter eggs were really common in DVD menus. There were little secret bits of content that you had to like, you know, move around in the menus to find. That's right. Yeah. They were all over the place. Yeah. Um, they were extremely common, actually. Uh, you you have no idea how many you've missed in all your time watching DVDs <laughs> in the mid-2000s. Uh-huh. Um, but very frequently, they would then not have anything to do with anything. Yeah. Like, they would oh, just, okay. you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's probably the last era where the term Easter egg meant just like a fun thing to find. Yeah, sure. Rather than something that's sort of intended to be discovered and shared. Uh, and I think the internet has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the example I don't like is related to this. And I, I don't mean to like draw a line between these things, like a, one's good and one's bad. Sure. That's how I think I'm coming off. But um, the only Metal Gear Solid game I ever played was Metal Gear Solid 4. Okay. And that game is just 
crammed with references yeah, and, and gags and things that are like out that are fourth wall breaking bits that refer to other Metal Gear games. Mm-hmm. And it is in your face all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and But I would call those Easter eggs sure. because they do not have anything to do with the game, mm-hmm. even though you stumble upon them all the time. Yeah. And so it's kind of, there's a difference, like it's not, so that's not, those are not secrets, right? But they are Easter eggs that just, and they, they meant nothing to me. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why I don't like the Metal Gear Solid series. Kind of like, sent, I didn't, there's a lot that I didn't know about that series before I played that one. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, I, I'm done with that I don't, for lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, I think, made it easier for me to not pick up the next one, I think, because of how it, it just, it, it really just, yeah, it really wants you to play in their field. Like, yeah. and, and if you weren't already there with them, yeah. it didn't have, it didn't have, didn't seem to have room for you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. They can't be isolating in that way. Okay, Ellen, you got to do it now, too. Yep. I have, you have yours written down. So you had all fair. this time plus the prep before. Exactly. I'm just saying, a lot on the line here. Right. <laughs> I mean, Steve oh, and I, I each have one it. point. One yes. point each, right? Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Cage match, I forgot. <laughs> um, okay, so I think my favorite, and I think with your taxonomy here, Mark, this uh-huh. would be a secret, not an Easter egg. Right. Um, would be the Lord of the Mountain and Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a spirit creature that is got the body of a horse, so you can ride it. <laughs> ah. Um, but it is a spirit, and so you can't stable it. Oh, oh yeah. I know it's a it's a ethereal, ghostly yeah. type mount. Yeah, yeah. So right. you you can catch it. You need a lot of. St- I had I had a juice link up pretty good because mm. you know I caught it. I caught all the horses, <laughs> of course, you guys. Horse. Yeah. Okay. And this thing isn't a horse, but I did catch it. And I had a juice. I had to juice Link hard. I think he had, he came down hard after this to catch this thing. Goodness. I know. Yeah. Um, Cause you just need a lot of stamina to be able to, to, to catch it. Yeah. And when you ride it, like it just has infinite, it itself has like infinite stamina. You can just yeah. run and run and run and run and try to stable it. And the townspeople get mad at you <laughs> and they turn you away. So you can't actually, um, you can't actually keep it. Yeah. It is really, it's there for its own reasons. Yeah. Right. I remember finally getting that. And then it's like the the dog that caught the mailman. Like what now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, know what to do? Just run, you ra- you run around, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that was I think that was my favorite one. This was, it was really it took a lot of work, and it was just in this beautiful part of the game that it took a lot of time for me to discover. Um, and then I had to wait for the right period of time to go get the thing. You know, like yeah. It, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. It was a fun one. My least favorite one. I don't know if this is. I don't know if this is a secret or Easter egg or even if it counts as either one, but like <laughs> Super Metroid, when you beat the game with a high percentage and the more of the game, like the higher percentage you get, the more of her outfit that she removes. Ooh. Least favorite. Yeah. Because I didn't, that was my first Metroid game that I ever played. I didn't know anything about that. And so like I worked so hard to get a high percentage. I got. Right. Of course, your first time through, you aced it completely. No, <laughs> I, spent, <laughs> I spent like 13 hours the first time. I just wanted to get as high as I could. And yeah. so I like spent hours and like double checking the map and researching and double checking the map. And it got to like 97%. Still bothers me. It's not out of 100. <laughs> and what did I get? It's like, ah, oh, 97%. Awesome. And then she's like in a, in a onesie weird bikini thing. And she's like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, what is this? It doesn't make you know any what that sense. Is? That's the game saying to you, you're a boy, right? Well, like, yeah. I mean, 
Well, and it, and it, it well, it is a reference to the first Metroid game, and 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 that has a whole thing too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it is kind of funny that like, oh, it's a female protagonist in a two piece. Yeah. I, I mean, one step forward, one step back. Is that what yeah. that is? I don't know. Yeah. The ugh, there's a whole lot of I don't know how you took it as a child or how you feel about it now, but it is very mixed. Like, I mean, yeah, Samus being a woman was a gimmick. It wasn't a stride forward. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's it's hard to I mean, I think it's different now. Oh yeah. Oh for oh, yeah. sure. And definitely in other game. games it's right. different. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, you do really well in like Metroid Prime and she'll like take off her visor. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's still kind of a, but like that is a character moment. Yeah. Right? Like she is it just it felt so wrong. And it was really frustrating because I played that game right after I had been able to like nab uh I didn't have consoles in my house mm-hmm. when I was growing up. I played with my friends. And um but when I was in high school, I uh, nabbed an, like a vintage SNES from somewhere, ah, oh. and it also came along with Super Mario World and Super Metroid, mm-hmm. and played the nonsense out of both of those. And I'd never played a Metroid game before and loved it. Yeah. And then to have it kind of just like it was like a little slap in the face at the end yeah. of it. It was really annoying because it's just not the character at all. Yeah. It's not the character. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. At and all. that wasn't something you were imposing on the character, like. That wasn't the character. Yeah. Like it was, I mean, the way they were depicting that character at that time, that flew in the face of that. Yeah. 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 And I had felt so good for getting like to working, you know, getting really good at that game. Because mm-hmm. I like, I don't know if I could get it. it got, I got to the point where I could get like a really like 80% without even checking anything. And like, and I cleared it under a couple hours and I don't know. I that's not great compared to like speedrunning numbers yeah, for that yeah. game. But I mean, like, you, for you're me, you're not going to be speedrunning. No, 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 no. Like, like objectively, <laughs> yeah. in terms of like the global practice of Super Metroid speedrunning, that's nothing. But yeah. like for me, I don't play lots of games more than once. I play the nonsense out of that game, and sure. have that be the ending was just really crappy. Yeah, um, it really leans into the thing that like these kinds of Easter eggs or bonus content or secrets are. They are very often apart from the experience of the game, right? Kind of mm-hmm. deliberately, and in in ways that are often awkward, right? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't there like in Destiny, there's like a cave with a giant sandwich in it or something? Did I see that sure. recently? So, That's you know, wild. Just I have like no idea. <laughs> for fun, silly reasons, right? Yeah, it's yeah, games yeah. not taking themselves as seriously, but then that becomes a problem when you, the player, engage them at the level that it expects of you, and then you realize that, oh no, um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that that's when you're. When you are developing your game and you're trying to put in, I think a lot of developers want to put in jokes and references and memes and stuff. Yeah. But like, if it isn't, I don't know, there's a, there's a way, I think breaking the fourth wall or understanding that, pe- that players are not babies. They can understand the difference between a, a, a gag and an actual story twist, yeah. but there's still some sort of like respect you have to have for them. Um, I don't know. It's like, who is it for or whatever? And yeah. the, but then a lot of players don't care. Like they, the, the finding a thing is like, is like getting an achievement. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess I'm of two minds of it. Yeah. Cause know? I don't, I mean, I don't like me, me, things, but then I, well, I like me, me things, but not in a game, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in certain contexts, I guess it's just in certain contexts. That's yeah. basically what I'm trying to say. It's like in some ca- contexts, I'm like, ha, this is funny. I, re- I understand. I understood your reference. Right. Um, but like in other contexts, I'm like, why did you put this in here? This is weird. This is completely brings me out from the game now. I don't want to deal with this. Um, and I don't know what, uh, how to distinguish between the two different uh, situations. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a weird 
it's it's a bit i mean i guess in a lot of humor is subjective right a lot of times when you put in humor things that you think is funny another it can turn a player off from the game yeah right away um and it, it's and a lot of these easter eggs aren't necessarily humorous but they're just like references to things and yeah. often they're not they're not like deliberately placed by a single developer or yeah. the narrative lead yeah it's 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 just some gag from some person right and 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 they left it in and they left it in. and you know not that they snuck it in necessarily right, though right. that often does happen mm-hmm. and so it is like maybe that yeah because I'm of two minds about it too right yeah. it's like mm-hmm. I kind of want to take everything in your game as seriously as you take it right but I need to know how seriously you're taking it yeah. right like yeah right like I think I would have felt really different about that if it were Bayonetta. You know, oh like, yeah, because well, yeah, Bayonetta's half naked all the time. <laughs> that one and two, Bayonetta just doesn't take itself that seriously. Right, yeah, that's yeah. very which true. is you know, yeah. and that I, I'm fine engaging with a game that doesn't take itself that seriously. Mm, that's yeah. cool. It's just that's not what Metroid was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Metroid's very serious. Yeah, it takes itself very seriously. It does. That's yeah. cool. Right. So I guess you know one of the things I wanted to wrap up this conversation with was just like guidelines. Um, and I I guess one of the things that we've been struggling with, and maybe these maybe these aren't things that we need to actually like come to a specific point on like do this don't do this Mm -hmm. but it's more like consider these things right and i guess if your game dynamic is if your main like if your core game is finding things like it would be in a metroidvania Mm. i'm not if you find the hard to find thing is that a secret i don't know or is it just like extending the game more Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah i'm not sure something to think about um I like what you said, Mark, when you were saying like secret versus Easter egg. An Easter egg is more metatextual and a secret is like part of the game. Um, obviously, like how hard you, you want to make the thing to be. Like how how hard is it to find the thing? Because some designers want to find a balance. Like they want to hide things that are a little off the beaten path yeah. to re- kind of create rewards for the players right. who explore. But other player, like other designers, are like, no, I want it to be almost like crazy impossible. Right. They're putting it in there for themselves. They either don't care, or they'd rather it be discovered years from now. Yeah, they want it to be discovered years from now, or they want people to actually like go online, get with other players, and figure it out together, which yeah. I think is really cool. That's very difficult to do in you know the age of the internet. Yes, um, you can't really like sneak in a thing because like somebody will just put it on a guide. That's what makes a lot of these things feel really deliberate. Yeah, and part of a, mm-hmm. of a of an engagement strategy. Yeah, in a way that is like sometimes can put a bad taste in my mouth. I yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree with that too. Um, and but I, I also think that like a lot of times, I mean, it, I think in general gamers don't, myself included, don't. Um, they barely play through a game. Like they'll play like five, uh, like a couple hours, and then be done with it. Even if it's like a you know a fifty hour epic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that games nowadays are a lot more hesitant to just like put in a secret thing that nobody will see unless you know it's unless it's like a super really small thing that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that much. or if it's not going to be seen by a lot of people yeah. it, it is very specifically something that doesn't matter that much yes yeah or it doesn't require a lot of effort to put in so like with stray for example I go around and look at everything mm-hmm. because I play Metroid games mm-hmm. um and oftentimes like there there are not really secrets but like i mean it's environmental clues to the story and to like the lore of the location and what's happening that are just in the environment and they're there right in plain view if you go look at them right but you do have to go take the time to go look at them Mm -hmm. um and i really i don't know i really appreciate that but i'm like super explorer kind of person so (laughs) 
Uh, NiceGames.club/feedback. Uh huh. What happens there? Uh, you can give us feedback. On what? Yeah. Why would anyone want to do that? I mean, because we improve through due to feedback. If we, if there's one thing we've preached on this show, it's that. No, there's a lot of things we preach on this show. But <laughs> feedback is important. Um, it's very if valuable. If there's one thing, then we haven't been hitting the record button as often. <laughs> as <we're talking. laughs> it's important for us to get feedback so we know what is working about the show and what isn't working about the show, so we can make changes to uh, improve or stay the course if things are going swimming. Yeah, um, tell us what you love, but also tell us what you don't like. Yeah, and it's constructive criticism. We've gotten a, a, a you know a, a not insignificant amount of that, and it's been really helpful. Mm-hmm. Super helpful. Absolutely has. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you want to hear about other things? Like if you have an idea for an episode type that you want us to try out, or there's a specific topic that you want us to to explore, you know, use the feedback form. Um, there are of course other ways to get in touch with us, but the feedback form is nice because it is private. Yes. Um, and only we will see it. So yep. you can let us know if you want us to use comments you put on the show or not. You can also tell us what you know. We have a couple of questions on there that are a little easy, just quick, easy fill out. Yeah. And then we have a, open questions for you to tell us as much or as little as you'd like. Go to nicegames.club/feedback and give us your feedback. So one thing about. Ellen's topic yep. that I think I wasn't expecting oh. is we were really talking about that relationship between developers and players yeah. and the trust that developers ask oh my players goodness. to give in them. And I just think if only we had a topic that could just tee uh-huh. us right into that so we can keep that conversation going. Is that a well-executed mark transition? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as good high caliber as we get on the show. It's all we can afford these days. <laughs> I'm not even sure how to go where to go from here. Player trust is my topic. That's oh, where we go. Okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, we talked a little bit about this with the ethics of engagement um, topic that we had a while ago, mm-hmm. um, but I wanted to bring it up specifically relating to player trust, and I think uh, it's 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 a bit it's like a relationship between you know the player and the developer. Um, I like to think of when you're playing when you start playing a game, you, uh, the player is like sort of signing a contract with the developer. And vice versa, player and developer, I guess, we're, you know, they're, it's the relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, between the game and the game. You're entering the into a sacred bond. Yes. Signed with blood. <laughs> the blood from your thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> That's typically where you get the, anyway. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I think that, like, I wanted to talk about that because, like, I, I think it's important for us as developers to recognize that players are you know approaching your game with a level of trust and to take that with responsibility um and you know don't take that for granted because like i think if you do that players will bounce off of your game more quickly and you know they'll also uh downvote it and talk bad about you and stuff and you don't want all that because you know you probably want to stay in business (laughs) or you want to keep making games and you don't want this person yelling down your throat because gamers do that too yeah, gamers are generally a complainy bunch. Yes. But I think you'll see a lot of like negative Steam reviews. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't want to give any credit to gamers as a class, but yeah. I will say you'll sometimes recognize that, oh, they were c- expecting something different. Yes. They thought mm-hmm. they were in for another experience. Right. And they're not, they weren't wrong to have thought that. Exactly. And so even though this seems maybe like a bit of an unfair review based on what the game is, mm-hmm. I could see how they feel this way. Yeah. And so you know, you don't always have total control as to how the players will react to the things you do, yep. but you can set things up by communicating. So you have that trust, right. um, but you do have to kind of, 
you do have to establish it. Right. And 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 to be fair, it is a two way street, right? Like like as a game developer, you know, you you're holding this player trust and you're making sure that you're uh, you're being true to what you're saying about what your game is. Um, but at the same respect, the player needs to come into the game, not you know, in good faith. Like you don't yeah. jump, you don't jump into a game, you don't jump into a fighting game expecting it to be um, civilization, right? That would be ridiculous. Um, but like I don't know, you some y'all have seen ridiculous Steam yeah. reviews. Um, well, to use that example specifically, yes. I think like if you going into a fighting game mm-hmm. and then all the controls being really inscrutable, yes, you might not like that right. but that's not really something worth complaining about because yeah. you kind of what i mean because that is ex- that's an expectation you should have for a game like that yeah even though it might be a legitimate complaint or piece of criticism in the sort of like art criticism sense yeah like the you you you're not you're not asking the developer the developer isn't asking you to trust them to to give you an experience that they didn't they're not well, yeah, yeah. The developer isn't necessarily giving the experience that you want. It's giving you the experience that they have intended for the game. And you're jump, and you as the player, uh, you know, are approaching it. You need to approach it being open to the idea that like the experience might not be exactly what you want, but you're hoping that it will be something you enjoy. And if it's not, that's okay. Right. That's just not you know. But it's not necessarily. Ideally, it's not necessarily the game's fault. It's just like you know, it's just didn't meet your tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a different that's a different conversation, right? We're specifically talking about like players. You're making sure that um, y- the players can feel capable um, of experiencing the experience that you want from from the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's important to like establish that trust. Um, and a lot of ways you can do that, you know, is to make sure that like the controls feel responsive when the player presses a button, something happens. Um, and it's not just like, you know, well, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't happen. Like, make sure that, like, it isn't necessarily that your game feels tight because sometimes games don't feel tight. And that's, like, the point. Um, but I think it's important to just make sure that, like, players can feel like they can take actions. Things can happen in the game due to the player's control. And if they don't happen, that the player knows when it's their fault, when it's not their fault. Mm, it's got to be consistent. It's got to be consistent. Yeah, it's, it's a predictability. Yes. And, and however it is that your game behaves. Right. The player should be able to predict some parts of it, right? Right, and and know what is and isn't predictable. Exactly, yeah. Because if you can't predict what's going to happen, then it's just like pure random. And then it's like, why am I even here playing this game in the first place? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it's hard for the player to even get in, you know, immersed in the experience when they don't feel yeah. like they can understand it. I think a, a good exp- a good sort of I think a lot of people have played or made mm-hmm. indie platformers yes. that the controls are a little slippy mm-hmm. and yet it's kind of a precision platformer. Yeah. And you could, a developer might expect the player to by level three, have the skills to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. But the player, like they don't have the trust of the player. And so the player doesn't bother learning how to do any of that stuff. Right. Because they don't see their efforts being rewarded. Yeah. And so by the time they get to level three, they don't have those skills, yeah. and, the, and the developer is very confused. Right. I mean, in in the same vein, uh, maybe your controls are tight and snappy, and they feel good, and the player understands it pretty well. And yeah, I don't know, you do a good job introducing the controls and stuff. But the level and the levels that are, you've designed um, mess with the player and mess with the player's expectation in the way that makes it so that they can't trust if they land on this platform that that platform is an actual platform. I mean, there are games that like play around with that and that can be interesting or frustrating or at least make good stream content, I guess. <laughs> but um, I think that like it, it, you as the, uh, or you as a developer need to make sure that the player can feel capable in a world 
like that. Like they need to make sure you need to be able to make sure that players, when they land on the platform, know that the platform is static and you can land on it and it's safe or know that this platform is going to collapse on you. If it, if you stand on it for two seconds or no, it's going to move a certain way, certain which way or whatever. Uh, like those things, I think having that kind of consistency can make play, can help players feel comfortable in your world yeah. and can help them feel more immersed and, you know, maybe reach, you know, that flow state or whatever, or just it, at the very least feel like they can engage in the game and make sure it's not and make it does it, make it so it doesn't feel like the game is like making fun of them for not understanding a thing that they didn't introduce to you in the first place. Or, or at least if it does, it teaches them that that's how things are going to be introduced. Yes. Right. So like um, I have a more relaxed playing experience when a game introduces a new mechanic by letting me just jump into it but also then like immediately giving me like a safety out when i yeah. realize i'm in trouble yeah so like yeah. okay you jumped on the platform and the platform is dissolving okay i can see that that's happening good for me that the first time that game did this it had another like quick escape platform for me right. a quick jump to yeah and i didn't have to fall into the pit of spikes yeah. yes um now the second or third time you get to it, there's a bit of spikes there. But right. at that time, you've established how this thing works, right? And you can, you know, you so can trust that the you as the developer can trust that the player will hopefully understand that, and right. the player will understand and trust that this is how this platform works now. And yeah. So that, so that gives you the developer that gives you leeway to like you know make more difficult, more complicated levels or mechanics based around that one thing. Yeah, yeah and that can be a surprising moment where the yes. player is, is is not expecting something to happen. Mm -hmm. But then what what that tells the player is that this is an authored experience. Yeah. And so now the player understands that if I'm going to be surprised, it's going to be deliberate yeah. on the part of the developer. Mm -hmm. I can charge forward understanding that maybe uh, this platform will fall under my feet and I will have no way of knowing it, but I will at least know that it's a deliberate uh, yeah. experience that the that the author is is providing for me yeah. and not just some yeah. random stuff that I'm just meant to know. Yeah, it's a possible, you know, like I might, I'm going to get surprised and it's possible I'm going to get surprised. So like, mm -hmm. yeah, like I think the Dark Souls games yeah. are full of these <laughs> too <laughs> yeah. because like it, it takes a different approach to things, right? Because like you you learn the game through dying over. Right, <laughs> over. yeah. Right, <laughs> like over. a lot of precision platformers have quick respawns for that right. same reason is that they, they, and this is just all about predictability, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just a different kind of predictability. Right. It's like I, I'm, I will predict to have no idea what to do, yeah. right? And I, and I'm expect to try some stuff out, yeah. yep. And I know I will be not punished for doing so, and I'll get a couple of chances before, and I, I won't leave, you know, foot step one, uh, you know, off the starting line without dying four times. But I will expect that that's okay, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Um, and yeah, Dark Souls games are like that. Like you expect. It's not, I don't know, it's not quite quick respawns, but. It's not quick respawns, but like it. it's upfront and consistent yeah. about like you will have to die a lot in this game. Right. And if you don't like that, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But like that's what's what the game. Right. Is. Then the game is just not for you. Right. You right. Don't play it or, or as part of your experience as a player, learn to accept the dying part. Yeah, some, yeah, sometimes it's nice to be a, a tourist in a genre you're unfamiliar with. Yeah, yeah. And you just have to kind of like, I don't like this, but like, I'm gonna play on its level for a while. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then like sometimes they they mess with you. Like, there's a ball, like a big stone ball that like all the balls up to that point roll yeah. past you. Yeah. And then there's one that like rolls past you and stops and then just comes at you. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's something I want to talk about too. Like if you've mm-hmm. established that trust, you can you know you can play around with that a little bit as yeah. long as you don't play around with it too much. Yeah. You, know? you don't want to like completely just shatter any hopes and dreams that the player had. Right. But like, <laughs> but it's right. perfectly fine to like toy with the player a little bit. Like mimics, for instance. Yeah. Like in, yeah. in games, you know, you open up treasure chests. The first ten, the first fifteen, yeah. the first thirty, perfectly safe. There's the thirty-first one. You open that one, and teeth pop out, and it starts chewing on you. Well, um, and that's the that's the contract you're signing with the player. Then yeah. it's like the the you know things aren't going to always be what you expect. Yes, and that's the experience you should expect. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay on your toes. So it, it is. It's it, there isn't. Yeah, it's very complicated. <laughs> like in yeah. terms of uh, walking that balance. And I mean, we're just talking in the last segment about the looking up into the spotlight in right. Mario Odyssey as a reference from Mario 64 that felt like it was I was I didn't at that I don't didn't like that because it didn't feel like I would have any reason to expect that yeah. and if I'd have thought to do that I might not have even tried it mm-hmm. because I wasn't expecting that to be the answer yeah right uh, yeah yeah I, I agree like, so it I, is easy to, mm-hmm. to, to fumble these mm-hmm. things yeah um, and not the end of the world yeah well I mean you still went through and got all of them I mean Odyssey is a masterpiece <laughs> <laughs> okay masterpiece uh <laughs> It was all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, uh, there's there's some leeway. Um, and like I said, I, I think it's important for players. And this is kind of hard for us as game developers um, giving advice on high to players. Um, but like, I think it's important for players to come into a game, you know, with with good faith um, and, and expect that, you know, things are not going to go exactly the way you expect them to. Yeah. Um, and that's OK, because like, you know, we as developers are taking you on a ride. And we're and you're trusting us with you know your time and your effort. Um, so you should be able to you know you should be able to trust us. Um, or we should be able to give you that you know that ability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to earn the. You got to the players already extending trust by yes. buying your game. Yes. and playing it and right. spending some time on it. Right. So we got to earn that trust, or it's, indicate that it's justified. Yeah. Um, throughout yeah. the experience right and the more you make good on those expectations the more that you deliver what uh players i mean now not literally what they expect yeah. the experience that you've promised essentially yeah. through through the up to then experience right the terms on this is really kind of easy to mix up yeah but the more you do that then the more trust you have that you can then play with as mm-hmm. you were describing earlier yeah yeah and I think, you know, and players will enjoy that. Like that whole, like the ball, all the balls are normal except for this one ball and it smacks you in the face. Like you wouldn't expect that as a player. And it's like a bit of a comedic, you know, twist. Yeah. Um, and even if you die from that and you might die from that and it might be frustrating, but you'll be like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. You know? And as a game where you die a lot. Yeah. Like killing you unfairly is not an unfair experience. Right. Because it's, it's, it's something that has been established at that point. And you, it's within the contract. It's within yeah. the contract. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I kind of like, writing it or explaining it in a terms of a contract mm-hmm. because like i think uh your relationships you have with people in general you kind of have like contracts um understood between you even if it's not like a literal written down thing mm-hmm. you know um and sometimes those those boundaries the boundaries of that contract need to be better established um because like it's not as clear somebody might have a different understanding of how things work versus another person yeah um but like that's part of the you know the push and pull that's part of the conversation that's happening um between the two players and it's the same way between a player and a developer um you having a push and pull conversation between you two but uh, the game is just the medium in which you're communicating (laughs) um and it's important that you know you're both establishing your boundaries and it's kind of difficult as a player well i guess as a player your boundaries are this game is too hard for me or 
or uh, it's it's way too long or something, mm-hmm. and I just I can't I can't handle this. Um, I appreciate what the game's doing, but I can't do this or whatever. It's just too much or it's too long or whatever. And so you just you know you bounce off of it, and that's fine. Well, more more narrow than that. Yeah, like thinking about say you want to put an Easter egg somewhere in the game, right? Oh yes, yes. You want to put it behind you know, this your your game is a platformer, mm-hmm. just say. Um, and it's a it's a it's a Metroidvania say, so it's not really demanding a ton of platforming skills yeah. specifically. Yeah. Uh, but then there's a secret that requires like white knuckle Super Meat Boy platforming. Yeah. And it's it's just a secret. Yeah. And, but it's not the type of gameplay the ex- the player expe- expects. Yeah. So that might be something that like well then they're not going to put in the effort to yeah. to engage with that part of the game. Yeah. Because it's outside the contract. Right. Yeah. That's that's absolutely. Great. Now you can have a game that has you know uh, more casual explorey platforming and then certain hardcore platforming. Like there's no reason you couldn't. Mm. But building that is harder than just putting both those things in your game. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I guess like in the same vein, uh, the players communicating or the developers communicating to the player through the mechanics and such. Um. And so it's important that you know you keep. That the, the way that you're establishing those boundaries as a developer is you tell the player what they can and can't do um, and what things make sense for this world, what things make sense for this game, um, and establish that, you know, when it is relevant to establish that information. Because, uh, because otherwise it'll be difficult for a player who... It'll be difficult for a player who's coming into a game with a certain expectation to get a different experience, but also it'll be difficult for a player who's coming in with an expectation for an experience and is trying to get that experience but isn't able to get that experience due to like the way that the game works um i i found that to be kind of helpful i think when i'm thinking about like things in terms of like in in terms of design and things like that as i think about what the player what kind of experience i want for the player and how when the player reaches this this part of the game or this game or you know decides to play my game or whatever um i'll think about what how I want the player to experience that and how I want to make sure that the player can experience that and is able to experience that without things impeding the player. And there's a lot of ways that, you know, things can impede the player. And it's not necessarily just, there's a bunch of bugs and glitches in the game breaks or something like that. It can also just be, um, you know, this quick time event is rough, I guess, like maybe having to mash the button. Um, I think as, as, as a community, game devs have been pushing away from like mashing buttons to to solve problems or whatever, which has been good, I think. Um, but like you know, maybe you opt to not have that in so that like more players can play it and players can trust that like they don't have to have um, mashing ability in order to get through the game, things like that, or give the players options so that like you can have mashing in there, but maybe there's an option to just hold the button down or just like tap the button once and it'll do the thing or something like that. Right. Um, right. I think uh, uh, some actionable information, sort of based on the on what you're describing. Yeah. I think when you're playtesting your game, mm-hmm. I think one thing you can do is um, you can ask players what they expect to happen next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, particularly once, like if you're pl- if you're playtesting a level and and just one level and and they're, they're done, mm-hmm. I think a good sort of you can do this while they're playing because it's yeah. good to see what they expect and what they see. Yeah. Um, without maybe influencing them too much, but one thing you can ask them when they're done is okay you've just played half an hour of this or five minutes of it or whatever what what is this game to you what what do you think will happen in level two like describe what not what you'd want to happen Mm -hmm. but what you what what's been shown to you what would you expect to happen next yeah yeah and then you can say i mean because it isn't if they don't describe what is next yeah 
that's not the end of the world, right? right? It could be just that, oh, okay, I need to explain this better. Or, you know what, I need to change something in this part so they can, or it could be like, okay, so this is going to throw them for a loop. How do I prepare them for that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so there's there's no wrong way to proceed. Yeah. But just knowing where the what the player is thinking and what they're what they're expecting can help you decide how to make decisions and engage with that player. Because when you're working on the thing, you're not you're not in an active conversation with the, with the player. Right. And that's I mean that's what playtesting is really good with. But I yeah. think I think if you, I think that would be a little another arrow for your quiver is yeah. to ask that question. Yeah. That's what's so fascinating about games in general is like it is a conversation between two. Well, not two groups of two parties, mm-hmm. but like the 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 conversation is happening like intermittently. I guess like it's almost like through mail or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just really fascinating. Yeah. I, I I just enjoy that aspect of game dev so much. Um, I like game dev too. <laughs> yes, it's a good note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> That's our show. For show notes and links on today's topics, go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on Twitter and Mastodon at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets and toots about game dev resources and Agro Crabs the sock. All right. We like hearing from you, so tweet and toot back or email us, contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff. Lots of content, including ad-free episodes. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. Next week, we're having a developer on to do a postmortem on their game. But that's it for this week. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. 